0: Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence.
2: Welcome sports fans, this is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, that's right, we are Wagering Week. You guys can get in touch with us, Facebook and Twitter at Garden G-A-R-T-E-N, the number 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's how you get us. And we have a lot to go over today, guys. College basketball is up and running. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to give you my NCAA preview, my Final Four. Who do I think uh, You know, are the teams that you can make some money on this year? But we're first going to start with a little NFL action. We're going to go through the NFL slate of games this week, go over some of them. But before I do that, I just want to give a quick mention about Joe Burrow. Burrell goes down, and it, it, it's tragic. It really is, man, because I like this kid. I think he was fun. I think he's very good for the game. Uh, but I also understand that there are, there are things to be okay with here. I hate to say it like that, but, but Bengals fans, NFL fans, it's, it's okay. He got injured. It stinks. We all feel for him. It, it, uh, it's a bad spot. I get it. But there are things that make me go, you know what? Bengals fans, don't lower your heads too much. What you know about Joe Burrow is this. This kid can play at this level. Number one, first and foremost, you found your future quarterback. That is huge. You also know that you have receivers in Tyler Boyd and T Higgins that absolutely will be a part of the run whenever this might be. Now he tore his MCL, ACL, he's got ligament damage, he's got problems, he's got issues. It's going to be a long road back. He may not be back next year. He may be back in the middle of next year. He may not be back until 2022. But whenever he does come back, he's going to come back with a pretty good arsenal of wide receivers. He's also a kid that you look at and you go, well, he learned by Zoom this year. Now, all anybody ever talked about was how he didn't have the regular OTAs and how he was going to struggle. And the Bengals coaching staff said, no, he's really good on the technology side of things and learning by via Zoom and getting in with his teammates. So he's going to have to do that again. Guys that go through a normal OTA, all of a sudden they have to do uh, and, and kind of learn in this method. That might hurt them a little bit more. Well, Burrow's done it once. He can do it again. And maybe it won't make him have the step back. As a matter of fact, it might increase it that he's already been used to it. So there's that. And then there's the idea that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be terrible this year from here on out, and that might land them a really top-notch offensive lineman. If this wasn't such a quarterback-starved league, many people would be talking about the kid from Oregon still being the number one overall pick. Well, you put him on the Bengals, you get the best left tackle in the draft, and now you have a pick number, what is going to be, 33 or 34? You get that pick high in the, in the back of the second round, is basically the back of a first round, right? So it's kind of like two first round picks. Offensive lineman there. You could go spend money on offensive linemen. And if the Bengals stink next year, let's say Burrow misses the first eight games, right? Because I think he's probably, the way that I'm reading, he's probably going to have to go on IR, miss the first six games or whatever. Let's say he comes back for week eight or nine, and the Bengals are bad again. He's going to get another top 10 pick. All of a sudden, come 2022, you get your quarterback in place, you get your wide receivers in place, your offensive line has a little legs underneath them, you got a running game, and maybe. maybe. Maybe you could start building the defense with a new crop of guys. The Bengals all of a sudden also don't have to compete with Ben Roethlisberger, who I'm sure in two years is going to be retired. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we don't know about his future, and it looks like Lamar Jackson might be a flash in the pan. So don't hang your heads too far. It stinks to be this kid. Uh, We all feel for Joe Burrow because we do like him. We like his game. But all is not lost in Cincinnati. All right. Now let's get into some of these NFL games. You had your turkey, you ate, you enjoyed, you wish you had a, a night game, but you didn't have one. That's okay. I hope you guys watched uh, you know, the college basketball that night, but let's get into it. Vegas, Atlanta, the line, well, it's at three for Vegas. It's shot up in some spots and then come back down. Basically, what Vegas did against Kansas City just has everybody backing their brink struck right up to the Las Vegas Raiders. And they're saying, we love the Raiders. This is still a long trip. It's a long trip on the East Coast. It's a long trip on the East Coast against Matt Ryan at home in the Dome. The biggest contributing factor for me here is Julio Jones. If Julio Jones is healthy and he's been hobbled, if he's healthy, this is a dangerous spot. Las Vegas has the number 25th-ranked passing defense in the league. They don't defend the pass well. And all Atlanta does is is throw the ball. Ridley and Jones engage and Gurley even out of the backfield. It's a tough team to defend. I'm not giving this the layup that everybody thinks, but I will give you this and I will say this right away. Derek Carr looks absolutely phenomenal out there. In a world that didn't have Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr would be deep into the MVP conversation. Arizona, New England coming up. To two and a half now by Arizona. Kyler Murray is very difficult to bet against in any spot, especially with Hopkins and whatnot. But this is about New England and and who they are. Uh, It got a little away from them last week. But I'm not discounting what they did against Baltimore, what they did leading into this game. New England needs to run the ball, play power. And when Arizona gets pushed around, which we've seen them happen time and time again, they don't play well against a power push-around team. Cam Newton needs to step his game up, and he's effectively hanging on to the last shreds of his career here in the last couple of weeks. New England needs to show that they could push the Arizona Cardinals around. They are an underdog. They're a home underdog as a home underdog. New England Patriots are absolutely fantastic under Bill Belichick. They're great. They're 9-3 and the last 12 against the spread as a home underdog. That's something to watch here. Mentioned those Cincinnati Bengals. They've decided to not go with Finley. They've decided to throw a basically practice squad guy in at quarterback. But I don't think it matters. Look, the Giants were three-point underdogs. Burrow got hurt, went to a three-point favorite. Now it's all the way up to six. The Giants have been playing well. And I think that the one thing that you could take out of the Giants season is that they may not know if Daniel Jones is the quarterback moving forward, but they know that Joe Judge is the coach moving forward. And that's a pretty big get right there. It still is a road game. Although it comes in this spot against Cincinnati that's having quarterback problems, I don't love laying six points on the road. The Giants, though, are playing inspired ball. And Daniel Jones does have talent. He just turns it over. He's butterfingers. He's got a little Jay Cutler in him. Ooh, did I say that? But he does. Giants worry me laying points, but I look at Cincinnati and I go, I wonder how deflating this is because Joe Burrow was clear, the absolute clear leader of that team. Jacksonville, Cleveland, down in Jacksonville, Duval, that's right. Cleveland, everybody's backing up and just absolutely loving this. It opened up at six. It's up to seven. Here's the problem. Cleveland on the road. Cleveland betting giving more than a touchdown on the road. Cleveland just on the road. Just Cleveland is just ugly on the road. And you're giving a touchdown. Now, look, Jacksonville, you can't go near. Jacksonville starting a 30-year-old journeyman. Jake Luton not the answer. Minshew still hurt. All right, we'll throw this guy in there. It's ridiculous. They can't run the ball anymore. Joe Robinson's good, but they can't find spaces for him. Jacksonville also lost their best defensive player in Josh Allen. They also lost uh, a safety. They also lost a cornerback this week. They're a mess. Nick Chubb should just touch the ball 20 times, run it right down Jacksonville's throat, but it's still Cleveland on the road laying a touchdown. That worries me. Carolina, Minnesota, this is the classic case. Minnesota was looking good. They were looking great last week. Knocked me out of my survivor pool because they didn't look so good against Dallas. And we could say, well, Dallas has all kinds of talent. Well, Carolina does too. And now you're giving three and a half or four points to a Carolina team that is six and 6-1 against the spread as an underdog. And Teddy Bridgewater, potentially, uh, is that underdog maven. Minnesota's got to get back to what they do well, and that is just run Dalvin Cook all day, all day, all day, all day, Dalvin Cook. The problem is their defense is still a concern, and that defense might come up to bite them. Tennessee, Indianapolis, Indianapolis only this series. They are at home, minus three. A lot of money coming in on Tennessee's side. You gotta like what you like from what you see from Tennessee. They run the ball effectively. They are not very good defensively, but you know what? Derrick Henry stops a lot of that bleeding late in the fourth quarter when he just takes over. Indianapolis defense, they want to be considered one of the best in the league. Well, go out there and stop Derrick Henry. I mean, it's that simple. Now, they've done that this year already. Sure, there was a lot of special teams problems in that game, but then you look at the Colts uh, overall. The Colts absolutely own Tennessee. They won 12 the last 15 games against Tennessee. They, they, they just own the series. Indianapolis is at home. My worry is this. Phillip Rivers. I'm still not convinced that Phillip Rivers is ready to just be the man. I'm still not convinced that Phillip Rivers is in a position where he's going to step up and, and consistently be okay. You know, I was on one of the Colts' Twitter pages, and it's funny. Three weeks ago, the question was, do we put Jacoby Brissett in here? Do you give a shot to Nick Eason? What could go wrong? What's the worst? So a a question this week was proposed on that board, and it was, who's our quarterback next year? Because we know Phillip Rivers is under one-year deal. Brissett's out of here. And uh, generally speaking, everyone said, "Eh, they're going to re-sign Rivers or give Eason a shot. It's amazing what a couple of good weeks can do. My problem is, with an aging old quarterback, you can have spurts you're gonna have spurts of good and you got spurts of bad well we're seeing the spurts of good right now when does philip rivers turn to the bad buffalo chargers buffalo minus the five and a half this is a josh allen game i will say it now and i've said it uh quite a few times josh allen is the best quarterback of the 2018 class he just is he's better than lamar jackson better than sam donald better than everybody in that 2018 class uh Right now, Josh Allen has ascended into the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. He does it when it matters. uh, According to Pro Football Focus, he's got 11 uh, throws this year under high pressure in high-pressure situations. Big-time throws, they call them. That's Josh Allen. He also, since entering the league, has more touchdowns than anybody else that entered the league with him. Oh, yeah, he's got more when you talk, talk about running and passing touchdowns, more than Lamar Jackson. Then you talk about how many come, back, back, come from behind wins. Well, he's tied with Drew Brees since he's entered the league, and if Hopkins wouldn't have made the most miraculous catch ever, he would have had another comeback from behind win. This is Josh Allen, man. So we could talk about Herbert, and Herbert is good, and Herbert's throwing it all over the field, and Herbert's got this, and Herbert's hitting Keenan Allen 500 times today, and he's going to target him another 600. I mean, that's you know the Chargers can move the ball. But let's not forget about what Buffalo is. They're off of a bye week, and they had a week to stew on that Hopkins catch. Miami against the Jets. The Jets, are uh, they played well last week, but the Jets are in a bad way here. The Jets just lost Piran, who they were going to give the ball to and evaluate. Well, he's on injured reserve. They also lost their kicker. Oh, yeah, not a big deal, but uh, I got to bring in a new kicker. They're still marching out Joe Flacco out there. The total is 44-and-a-half here, which is more indicative of what they can't do. But on the Miami side, look. Tua Fitzpatrick, this is a weird situation. Tua was removed from the game. We all thought it was an injury. Foles said afterwards, "Nope, it was that that Fitzpatrick gave us a better chance to win the game." Then immediately after the game, or basically immediately after the game, he said, "But Tua is our quarterback next week." Now Tua was in Wednesday, Thursday, holding his finger, holding his thumb. He wasn't feeling good, and they said, "Well, Tua is our starting quarterback unless he's hurt." Well, now is he hurt or not? It's been confusing. It shouldn't matter, though, because this Miami team is all about running the ball and playing good defense. They've owned the New York Jets. They're 7-1-1 and against the spread the last nine games against them. They're 8-1 straight up against them. They own the New York Jets, and they have got to get it right here. I'm okay with them going on the road and losing to Denver last week if they could bounce back and do what they have to do here and just manhandle your division rival New York Jets on the road. Speaking of Denver, Denver catching six points at home against New Orleans and New Orleans is starting a tight end at quarterback I, I get it he didn't shut me up guys I- he didn't everybody likes Taysom Hill he's gadgety he's fun he's this he's that he's a tight end playing quarterback and just because New Orleans goes out there and they beat up on the Atlanta Falcons who anybody could beat up on that defense it doesn't convince me that he could go into a hostile environment I don't care if there's fans or not hostile nasty environment in Denver and go take on this defense I think the Denver defense is playing well. I think Vaggio is going to absolutely have something up his sleeve here. And you look at this New Orleans team and you go, uh, their defense is playing better than it has. I still don't believe in them. Their offense is led by a tight end, and now they're giving six points on the road. I don't believe in Drew Locke either. And I think they have to run the ball a lot more effectively in Denver. But this is one of those weird spots. How about weird spots? You want to talk about a weird number? The Rams are giving seven to San Francisco. And the Rams are on top of the world. They beat everybody. Oh, the Rams defense is the best. They made Tom Brady look terrible and Rams this and Rams that. Well, the Rams are on a short week. Now they're laying a touchdown and they're taking on a division rival. A division rival that, oh, by the way, has won four in a row against them, including this year as a two and a half point underdog. A division rival that, oh, by the way, is coming off of a bye week. And a division rival that, oh, by the way, is getting their starting running back back. They're getting Debo Samuel, their starting wide receiver back. They're getting Richard Sherman, their starting cornerback back. So they're getting healthy off of a bye week, had time to prepare when the Rams are on a short week. This is one of those circle it as a handicapper spots. I'm not saying it's it's a certain play, a certain win. But when handicappers talk about games you like in a situational spot, this is a game you like in a situational spot. Speaking of that team, how about Kansas City at... Tampa Bay. Kansas City will be playing in Tampa Bay probably for the Super Bowl. We're not sure if Tampa Bay is going to be there, and it doesn't look so with the GOAT, who's 0-19 this month with throws over 20 yards. That's bad. And do you think that Tom Brady's arm just kind of fell off? Well, Bruce Arian said, you know what? It's because you know, teams are confusing him. Defensive confusing him. I'm not buying that. No, 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 no. I am not buying that you're in this league for 20 years and suddenly... Suddenly, everyone's confusing you out there. No. And I'm not buying the fact that Tom Brady, who is in immaculate physical shape, is all of a sudden just his, his arm can't throw. He just can't. He might as well throw lefty. No, I'm not buying that either. What I am buying into, though, is that at 43 years old and a body that's breaking down and maybe a body that's a little bit banged up, right, maybe you don't want to step up into the pocket. Because the games that he's looked bad on are the primetime games. And he looked bad against Chicago, big time pass rush, New Orleans good pass rush, and the Rams, who Aaron Donald's living in his face. That's who he's looked bad upon. So I don't know if he's got what it takes right now to go, you know what, I don't care if I'm going to get hit, I'm going to throw this ball deep. I don't think it's a matter of Tom Brady being confused, or not having the arm strength, I think he's not following through with it. That's why he can't go deep. And if he can't go deep, everything's going to be short. Everything's going to be over the middle. And Kansas City looks like a value at minus 3.5. My problem with Kansas City right now uh, at this number, it almost looks too easy. Now, it is a road game. Kansas City's been playing a little close to the fire lately, but it still looks a little bit easy. A lot of money coming in on KC. How about Chicago Green Bay? Uh, Look, this game is just—this has— seven and a half, eight and a half. It's up to nine and a half. It almost doesn't matter if you're looking at the numbers. Matt Nagy is just bad. At this point, you go, oh, the Bears are off of a bye week. Or the, Matt Nagy's is 0-6 off of a bye week. The Bears are 0-6 off of a bye week. They'll last six times. They're just not very good after a bye week. And let's just be honest, they're just not very good at all. They haven't scored an offensive touchdown in the last two games in prime time. That is pathetic. I mean, that is really, really bad. So they can't score on offense. They're in a position where they have a bye week, but does it really matter? Here's the thing, though. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers struggle against good defenses. Chicago is a good defense. This game comes down to one player, and that is Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, can you get in Aaron Rodgers' face? Can you cause that havoc? Can you cause that, that nervousness that we're seeing out of Aaron Rodgers that you don't see very often? Can you cause that? We watched that happen against Tampa Bay with Green Bay. We watched it happen in spurts last week against Indianapolis. Those are the only two good defenses he's played all year. Don't give me the Lions and Minnesota. Those are garbage. He's played two good defenses all year. He lost both games, okay? And he looked bad in spots during those games. Well, here comes Chicago, a team that they absolutely own. They've beaten Chicago uh, pretty much every time in the last decade, okay? They just absolutely own Chicago, and especially up there in Lambeau. Green Bay looks like the right side. Green Bay's getting a lot of money. Green Bay has the increasing line. Khalil Mack could change that. All right, and then we go to the Seattle-Philadelphia game. It's the Sunday night, or the Monday night game, I should say. It's the only game that we're looking at that, to me, should have been flexed out. It should have been flexed out. I'm sorry. Uh, wouldn't you rather see Kansas city Tampa Bay on Monday night instead of this game? Philadelphia is 3-6-1, and one, yet they're in first place. Okay, look, uh, let's talk about Philly. They're broken. They're a broken team right now because Carson Wentz is broken. Miles Sanders is anything but. Miles Sanders right now is averaging 5.7 yards per carry. Miles Sanders right now is 580 yards. That's good for 12th in the league rushing yards. He missed four games, guys. Miles Sanders is just being completely and utterly underutilized. So you could talk about Carson Wentz all you want, and yes, Carson Wentz is broken, and he didn't have a lot of help. But why are they not just feeding Miles Sanders over and over and over and over again? Catch the theme where I think this is going to be going. Philadelphia might also be getting back Zach Ertz. They just got back. Dallas Goddard Alshon Jeffrey might be a part of this. So Philly's getting healthy. Philly's at home. Philly's catching five points. You look at Seattle and you go, yeah, but Russell Wilson's great at home and prime time well i said at home because he's one in three against the spread prime time on the road so you look at seattle and you go they also have a really bad defense if there is ever a get healthy spot and i could keep saying this for carson wentz if there is ever a get healthy spot it's right now it is at seattle against seattle it is against russell wilson who's struggling right now Got multiple interceptions last couple of weeks. It is this spot. You take control of first place. You see Dallas in the rearview mirror playing well. You see Dallas coming up behind you. Take control. You're getting your team back healthy. Here you go. Let's go, Carson Wentz. But I don't have a lot of faith in that. I think you just got to turn it around and hand it to Miles Sanders and let him own this game. The other bad problem for Philadelphia is they are bottom five defense against the run. Now, Seattle is dealing with – Homer, and DJ Dallas, and is Hyde back and healthy? Oh, is Chris Carson back and healthy? Oh, wait a minute. All of a sudden, you're getting these guys back healthy. Maybe they could start running the ball a little bit more, but then you're taking the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. Real quick, I was screaming for Jalen Hurts to be inserted in the second quarter, but I understand how ridiculous that is. Look, Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere. I know a lot of you guys want him to, but Carson Wentz is not going anywhere. He is Absolutely backed by this organization, by this head coach. I think you'd have to fire Peterson before you got rid of Carson Wentz because you could not go to Jalen Hurts, who might not be ready right now, and then back to Wentz. They have invested financially and draft capital to put everything behind Carson Wentz. I'm hearing, oh, let's trade him, let's get him. Carson Wentz is the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback for good or for bad, and you may go down with the ship. OK, it's very possible. But Jalen Hurts isn't the answer right now. Maybe he is the future, but he is not right now. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this with more Wagering Week. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie?
0: Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s. 1975, to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.
1: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash
0: ActiveCash. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends.
2: Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. All at MyBookie.com. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie.
0: This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering
2: Week. And now, back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. <laughs> What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, guys. Look, Joe Burrow goes down. He may have been the favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's now out of the conversation. I'm sorry, Joe. It would have been yours. Well, it might have been yours because Justin Herbert was coming up. Well, what are the odds now? Justin Herbert now massive favorite, minus 750 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Justin Herbert with a bullet, minus 750. Chase Claypool. Look, Chase Claypool has as many games played as he does touchdown passes, but he's only at plus 9. 900. Justin Jefferson, he's got more receiving yards than anybody else, plus 900. Tua, who was benched last week, he's 10 to 1. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting no love. Look, he's had a good spurt there. He's 18 to 1. CD Lamb is 40 to 1. Antonio Gibson's 50 to 1. James Robinson's 50 to 1. Jonathan Taylor's 66 to 1. I think this is uh, pretty cut and dry there. That is What Are The Odds? Yeah, guys, look. I mean, this is this is Herbert's award, isn't it? They want to give it to a quarterback anyway. Uh, we know that. And Burrow being out of the way, so to speak, uh, for this contest, I think Claypool should be getting some love. I just don't think he's going to get enough to get there. And then you go, is it Claypool or Jefferson? I think two at ten to one is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Clyde edwards hilaire has had a better year than he did, and even just that C.D. Lamb catch, uh, James Robinson at fifty to one is intriguing. To me, if I'm doing it, I'm giving it to Herbert. I think it's impossible not to. I got Claypool, Jefferson, the next two, and I got James Robinson right behind them. I could make a compelling argument. I won't now. I will save you. But I could make a compelling argument that James Robinson should be right behind Justin Herbert. I I could do that. That's how much I I think this kid has done with what he's been given. And you got to look at that and just say, you know what? I don't think we're giving him enough credit for what he has done. All right, guys. College basketball is here. College basketball is the time of year where all of a sudden things start to seem back to normal. With the COVID situation, Corona situation, Wuhan, China virus, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Whatever you want to call it. With that situation, I think. Baseball was able to recover somewhat, and it was fine. NBA got their season in. Stanley Cup finals was pretty entertaining. NFL doesn't look too affected. College football's trying to push it through. The sport that got the most dinged up and most hurt was college basketball. They canceled the NCAA tournament. So moving forward, it's very, very difficult to handicap this year coming up. Well, for some. I've done the research, I've done the work, so we're going to go through some of it here. I do want to tell you this. When you're talking about college basketball this season and you're going through the teams and no matter what I say, understand that this is one of the most dangerous seasons that you'll ever enter. We know there's going to be some shutdowns. We know there's going to be some skip games. We know that. There might be weeks of shutdowns. So you've got to anticipate that which also leads me to believe. I know everybody always wants my pick because listen, what did I do? I was the guy that hit Yukon 55 to 1 odds before the season. 2 years after that, what I come back with Villanova at more than 20 to 1 odds. Yeah. Then I hit Villanova again and then I came back and I hit Virginia at 10 to 1 odds on this station, right? So I've done it. College basketball, I'm really good at the futures place, and I'm telling you this year futures plays are dicey. Now, I'm not sure as a professional handicapper if I want to invest my money into a a and let it hold and let it sit there into a sport that may be canceled. I'm not sure. So, whatever I say here, take it with a grain of salt. Make sure you understand I'm giving you the tools But there's also a lot of downfall this year. There's also a lot of uh uh-oh this year that we have to anticipate for. So let's go through a couple here. Uh, ACC, Memphis looks really impressive. Really impressive. Penny Hardaway, he's gotten some big guys there. I kind of like what he's doing. You know that Houston is going to be in the mix. And Houston's the favorite here. You look at Kelvin Sampson, they have everything that you want. You got Grimes. Uh, you, you have Tyson. You have players that fit the system, fit the coach, fit the situation. I understand why Houston is the favorite. Something's telling me Memphis is going to kind of come up here and shock people. Last year, everybody loved Memphis. And then they, they didn't get off to the great start, and they kind of fell down, and all of a sudden, well, here you go. I think it's going to come down to the offenses here. And Houston probably has a little edge. I understand why they're, they are their favorite. Just don't necessarily agree with it. Next, let's go to the Atlantic 10. And this is one of the teams that I think we have to keep an eye on this year. I know everyone's on Richmond, okay? Richmond, Richmond, Richmond. And for a good reason. Look, the Spiders are very good. I understand it. I like St. Louis. And I've talked about people with this. Look, St. Louis was the only team last year that had two rebounders, average double digits. They're getting 10 rebounders, 10 rebounds per game from their guard. They're getting that from their guard, guys. Okay? So they come back with a team with two big-time seniors. They both tested the NBA. Eh, Maybe we're not good enough to go in the first round of the NBA. So they pulled back. You have NBA-caliber guys, can I say, on this team. You also have a dynamic defense. One worry uh, about this St. Louis team is they are really bad at free-throw shooting. I mean, atrociously bad. But I got to think that with a little time, with a little seasoning, even if you get to middle of the pack, if they could get middle of the pack free throw shooting, guys, I think this is St. Louis's. And I think that not only do I like St. Louis here, I think that St. Louis can be a team that, can I say, is the best team outside the big boys? I think they could be. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be like a San Diego State and go undefeated halfway through the season and all that. But I think that they could be one of the big boys. That is for sure. All right, real quick. I'm going to go into this way more in depth next week. But I just want to touch on the ACC a little bit here. ACC this year, a little up in the air. Got a little transfers. You got new guys coming in and out. Uh, I'm going to give a full ACC breakthrough. And one of the reasons I concentrate on the ACC is because for the past decade, I think that they're the best conference in america i also live there i lived in the middle of the triangle i lived in the middle of north carolina where you got north carolina north carolina state and duke all right there uh i have good connections to the acc and oh by the way my my record over the last 10 years betting acc basketball games i am sitting just under 65 percent. so i don't bet a lot but i got a good handle on it i also pitch Virginia win the championship after they were outed and and look at 10 to 1 odds, 10 to 1 odds paid off. So I'm going to get real into the ACC next week, but I wanted to touch on it. I, I do think that there's a lot of turnover that needs to be talked about. Here's another team I really do like. I really like, and I think they're getting a little overlooked. Maybe not so much after they put up, uh, what was that, 120 to 50-something in their first game of the season. But I like the Illini this year. Illinois to win the Big Ten. The Big Ten is tough, but Io might be the best player there. I think my Io might be the best player in college basketball, and he's sitting on the Illini. You know for a fact that there's going to be the the inevitable Michigan State run. Michigan's going to be tough. Wisconsin. You're going to have the Indiana. You're going to have all of these big-time teams. So I'm not saying Illinois is going to kind of blow your socks off and all of a sudden have an undefeated record, but I think that they are the most well-positioned team here. Illinois is a team that, to me, when you have one of the best players in college basketball, if not the best player in college basketball, on your squad in a tough division, You're going to be able to get that underneath your belt. You're going to be able to go through the wars. I don't know if Illinois gets a number one seed. I don't think they do. Uh, I think they get a two or a three seed, but they're a dangerous two or a three. Baylor's the team everybody loves. Everybody loves Baylor. Uh, They're they're probably going to win the Big 12. I get it. But I think they're a little overloved. And we'll talk about it when we get to my Final Four, okay? When I talk to anybody in the Final Four, Baylor's seemingly in everyone's Final Four seemingly in everyone's they went 26-4 last year right Scott Drew uh, could be better this year he could have better team this year than they had last it's possible Butler's back we know that um you just look at what they do and and how good they are and what they're returning it's hard to go against them it's hard but rock chalk nation yeah that's who you are guys I know it you have the long history You have the history of winning, and you have the history of recruiting, and you have the history of coaching. I can't count Kansas out. Look, I'm going to tell you that my pick is on Baylor here because it's the safe play. And you're not really getting good value back on Kansas. If you are getting value on Kansas, I'd say, okay, take a shot. And I'm still not writing Oklahoma completely off. I get it. But Baylor's the big boy here. My problem with Baylor is that every single person that I've spoken to, and I speak to a lot— All have Baylor doing one of the, well, they may not win the championship, but they're a Final Four team. And they're already kind of putting them in. I don't think that they are the number one team with a bullet. That's how you talk about them. That's how you talk about number one teams with a bullet. That's how you talk about them. I I don't see that. I don't see that here. Let's talk about the Big East because I think this is another conference. Look, I've nailed quite a few times. I think this is an interesting conference this year. I still like Villanova. Okay, Villanova is very good. Jay Wright is the best coach, one of the best coaches in the country overall. He still have uh, still has some some players here. Uh, More, he, I think he's going to be fine getting down. Nova is they have the backcourt, and I like to bet on backcourt. I like to bet on good coaches in backcourt. Villanova has that. So why am I hesitant? Why did I say it's interesting? Because I think Creighton could make a run. I do. I think Creighton can make a run. Uh, Villanova is better. I'm not telling you that they're not. But Creighton's one of those dangerous teams uh, that they're almost like Xavier every year. Every year, Xavier is supposed to have a down year. And then suddenly, Xavier's there to play. And Xavier's at the end. I think Creighton's going to be this year's team. They might be the team that gives Villanova problems. I'll take Villanova to win this. But if I have Villanova to win and I think that they could potentially be a Final Four team, I'm saying the same thing about Creighton. They could win the Big East. Creighton could be a Final Four team this year. I don't know if I'm going to go all that way. you got to listen and keep listening in, but they might be. San Diego State to win the Mountain West uh, Conference is is one of my best bets of the year. You're getting plus 155 with San Diego State. I think they're worlds better than the rest of the Mountain West. Worlds better. Okay? Uh, They lost a little bit. Sure, they lost a little bit, but they have good players. Matt Mitchell, Mountain West Conference preseason player of the year, is phenomenal. Pullman is good. You have what it takes. But again, Matt Mitchell is the best player in the conference. Boise State, Utah State, maybe UNLV. They have aspirations. They have hopes. They have looks. They want to get to this level. I don't think that they're particularly close to San Diego State. Now, San Diego State was the last unbeaten team in the country last year i don't think they're that good i don't think they're going to be you know 26 and 0 or whatever it was no i, I don't think so and i didn't buy into san diego state long term and i'm not buying into them now i can tell you a little sneak peek i don't have san diego state in my final four but i think they win the mountain west tournament handedly and getting plus 115 back oh i'll i'll, I'll take that all day let's talk about the mountain west mountain west is, is wide open right i mean this is wide. could this be anyone's i know everybody likes ucla Right, all of a sudden UCLA is getting a lot of love and a lot of attention there. You know Washington wants to have a word there. Oregon, seemingly every year, Oregon you know, finds themselves in like the Sweet Sixteen or you know conversation. Oh yeah, that that's the team. That's the team. I like Arizona State. I like Bobby Hurley. I like what they do. Uh, they got to get better on the defensive end. I, I, I get that, right? Uh, but I like what they're doing. Uh, to me, you have an I, I, a guy that is a Pac-12 Player of the Year. You have a guy that is really well-coached. Uh, he can step it up, and, and Bobby Hurley is going to be that guy. And, and it's a crapshoot. If you ask me tomorrow, I might pick a different team for Pac-12. So I'm not telling you to put your money there, but Arizona State's intriguing. And you're getting plus money. Again, you're getting plus money with them. Kentucky to win the SEC oh, here we go, Tennessee uh, was going to be kind of that team that everybody looks at. And you go, no, no, Kentucky, they're going to be young. That's what they do, though, right? So it doesn't bother me that Calipari is going to have to be dealing with young players. That's what he does. He deals with young guys coming up. All of a sudden, everyone's going to be brand new. Oh, here we go. Oh, Calipari's got to deal with freshmen. Here's the problem with Kentucky and moving forward into a Final Four conversation with Kentucky is that on a normal year, Calipari gets these young guys. And he gets these young guys in the beginning of the year. They struggle. They they, they, they kind of bump around. And then right around, you know, mid-January, so you start to see them really ascend. And then Kentucky starts to become Kentucky again. And then by by early February, oh, boy, here we go. Kentucky's Kentucky. And these guys are great. And you you take the natural progression of the young guys growing up before your eyes, and by the time they get to March, all of a sudden they're like seasoned veterans. That is the normal progression for Calipari. Well, this year he's got a brand new team. And you go, is it going to be the normal progression? Not in a COVID world. No, no, no. In a COVID world, there's going to be, oh, games missed there, and how are they going to deal with this? Moving forward, I like Kentucky to win the SEC because I think that he is good with the young guys uh better than the rest of the sec but it's a it's a tough one this year it's a tough one this year that's for sure how about gonzaga to win the wcc i i mean that's this is a layup this is an absolute layup st mary's byu you want to be there you wish you were there gonzaga is just a class and mark few has the schedule working for him this year right they have the schedule working They have more out-of-conference important games than anybody else, which means if their conference has a problem, which we've seen happen in football, if your conference has a problem and because of COVID and you have to push it back and you have to move it over, what's going to happen? Oh, you could do this. You could change that. Gonzaga is still going to have the resume. So when you're looking at, at... what has to happen here. Gonzaga is not in a spot where they have to win all their games because they have resume building out of conference games there. You have that. Gonzaga is also in a spot where they are just more talented than BYU, uh, I I think, by quite a bit. And I think that they are more talented than St. Mary's by you know, enough that it's a pretty commanding lead. So let's take a quick look at their schedule and look at some of these out-of-conference games that I'm talking about. Some of the games that will just give them, you know, a a little feather in the cap. Of course, you got Kansas and and Auburn, we know. West Virginia, Baylor. These are all the out-of-conference games, guys. Iowa is even a decent out-of-conference game. That's that's who they're playing before they get into conference, and that's who they're playing really before any of this goes on. Now, one of the interesting games when you're talking about um, you know the schedule and how the schedule sets up, February 27th, last game of the year at BYU. If BYU could pull up a, a, a good win there at the end, maybe that knocks Gonzaga out of the one seed. But where I look at it now, I don't know if Gonzaga is the best team in the country overall, but I think Gonzaga's, uh, well, they're clearly the best team in the WCC, but I don't know uh, if there's another team that can knock them from the perch of number one right away. I think they will be knocked from that perch, but I think they can get it back. If I am a betting man, and oh, by the way, I am, and you ask me who's the number, going to hold on to the number one seed the longest this year, I'm not going to say Gonzaga because they have that front-loaded, tough Out-of-conference schedule. So they may get knocked out early. But I am going to sit back and tell you that, you know what, I think Gonzaga could grab it back very carefully. And at the end of the year, if I'm betting on who's the number one team in the country when all is said and done this year, uh, before the tournament begins, of course, I think it's Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga goes into the NCAA tournament if we have one. Knock on wood, right? I think they go into the NCAA tournament as a one seed. And if you are giving me a team with a number one seed and, and you give me a coach like Mark Few and you're giving me the players like this, guys, Gonzaga's looking up at having a very, very good year. You were able to grab Gonzaga just earlier this week at 10 to 1 odds and i saw it go all the way down to 8 to 1 7 to 1 in some spots i, I don't love the value there 10 to 1 i would take it a shot you go down to 7 to 1 all of a sudden you're going you know what i'm going to wait until gonzaga loses a little bit right you hope that gonzaga takes a loss and then all of a sudden you could kind of come up and and make a little money that way All right, guys. So that's a quick overview uh, of some of the conferences here. We don't have Ivy Leagues this year. I know a lot of you guys like my Ivy League plays. We don't have the Ivy Leagues this year. When we get back, I want to talk about my final four because my final four this year, I'm being very, very, very manipulative. I am I'm telling you that the final four this year has to be you have to be manipulative this year to talk about a final four in a situation where oh, you have COVID you have stoppages you have things like that so you want to pay attention because we can make money but you got to follow my formula but that's in the future right now let's bet to the future we're sending you back to the future okay, all right bet, bet to, back the to the
0: future, the future.
2: Bet to the future. Oh, we're looking at the 2021 Naismith Player of the Year odds. We'll start it right at the top. Luca Garza from Iowa plus two seventy-five. I O from Illinois plus four fifty. K Cunningham, Okie State plus five fifty. Jared Butler from Baylor twelve to one. Remy Martin, Arizona State twelve to one. B J Boston out of Kentucky's fifteen to one. Marcus Z out of Creighton sixteen to one. Connor Gillespie, Villanova sixteen to one. Sam Howes is twenty-five to one. Evan Mobley's twenty-five to one. Jackson Davis out of indiana 25 to 1 and so on and so forth we could get into more of those but look the, these are are the big guys okay uh garza is on top for a reason i was right there i mentioned him a lot depends on the team success a lot depends on how many games they're going to be able to play this year that is bet to the future just to take that one second uh, one step further i do have here the ap First team all-American preseason release: Jared Butler, Remy Martin, I.O. Cade Cunningham, Corey Kisbert, Luca Garza. That's who they have. So you could take a shot like Wendell Moore at fifty to one if you really wanted to. Uh, you know, Caleb Love at forty to one. I know from UNC, he's getting a lot of love out there. Uh, Scotty Barnes from Florida State at thirty-three to one. That was intriguing to me. Because I think that, that Florida State has a pretty good year. Jalen Johnson, 28-1, to 1, is a long shot. Sam Houser makes a lot of sense. Because if you like Virginia and he gives them any kind of offense, we know that Virginia never has offense, right? I mean, that's what we know. They never have any offense. If they have any kind of offense there in Virginia, Houser is going to be the guy. Um, I don't see a lot of value. Look, there's no value on Carson. I mentioned Iowa, but there's no value on him, no value on Cunningham. Uh, butler is a guy ray martin bj boston there's just no value there maybe a gillespie maybe a sam house i mean the value to me would be a, a hauser at 25 to 1 unless you want to take a stab at one of these uh one of these long shot guys but remember the ap all americans because this is something that's voted on and we talk about it when you're betting on something that's voted on there's already a preconceived notion in people's heads right there's already that Idea in people's heads of what this is and, and who should be up on the list. Butler, Martin, Io, Cunningham, Kispert, Garza. That's who we have. That's the preconceived notions. Can it change? Sure, it can. Uh, I don't love going on anything. I wouldn't suggest betting on any of that, but it's something I want to show you. So let's get back into the conversation here uh as we end up the show i want to talk about my final four picks everybody loves when i gave a final four and i'm going to give you a champion here and i'm going to give you a champion for who i think is a champion and then who should put money on and here's what i said to you you got to pay attention especially this year when you're betting on college basketball it's not only who's going to win, and any futures bet, which I've made very clear, but college basketball more than anything else. Put yourself in a position that you could hedge your bet. And by hedge your bet, I mean you could back it up. So if you're going to take a team 20 to 1, you're not necessarily taking that team 20 to 1 to win it all. What you're doing is you're taking that team 20 to 1 to make it to the Elite Eight. When it gets to the Elite Eight, you can hedge. You can hedge in the Final Four. You can hedge in the championship game. So you want long enough odds that you're able to hedge. But short enough odds that you think that they actually have a shot. Because we know the history of the NCAA tournament is underdogs, Cinderella's, they don't exist. It's not real. They don't win. Underdogs don't win. Cinderella teams don't win. It's just not a reality-based thing. It's just not. It's just not. So we're throwing all of them out. All of the good, oh, yeah, well, that's a good story and all that. I told you I like St. Louis. Ah, Yeah, no. So let's talk about the Final Four. I want to talk about, just real quick, Baylor. Baylor's not in my Final Four. I know they're in everyone's. I get it all. I understand why. They won 26 games last season. They bring back Butler. uh, Vital. I I know what they have. I just believe that Baylor being the elite number one team in the country is just not there for me. So I am putting in the preseason number one team, and that's Gonzaga. I like the idea that Gonzaga is going to have out-of-conference games. I like the idea that they're going to go through a league that they've owned for a long time. They're going to go through a pretty decent St. Mary. They're going to be at the end of the year. In the last five games of the year, they get St. Mary's. They get Gonzaga. uh, Gonzaga gets BYU at BYU. You win that game at the end of the year at BYU, it's going to boost your resume. OK, uh, you look at Kispert. He's going to be big. There's a lot to like there. And Gonzaga is now into the lexicon. They're into the world of, you know what? They deserve a one. They deserve, they're that team. They, they deserve certain things. So to me, Gonzaga, I think at the end of the, the season, they're going to go into the NCAA tournament as a one seed. You know, I like to bet on teams with a one seed. You were able to get to Gonzaga at ten to one. I put my money on Gonzaga at ten to one. Okay, I bet two teams this year, like I usually do. I have two teams every year. I bet Gonzaga at ten to one. I like those odds at ten to one. I don't love them at seven to one. Now, I do believe they make the Final Four, so that's one of my four teams. I'm also taking Illinois. Ah, yeah, I know. I, I, I know. Listen, Illinois seems like uh, the fashionable team this year, but I like what I see. I do. I I like what I'm getting out of Illinois. I like that they're going to be battle-tested out of a Big Ten. Okay? They don't have the three-point shooting that I love, but I don't need that particularly when I'm going up there. They have the best team in the conference, I think they have the size. I I don't know if people are going to be sleeping on them. Or I, I didn't know if they, people people going to sleep on. Them. Hey, you could get their odds. You know, above ten to one. So you, you're sitting there with an Illinois team, flying a little under the radar. I'm not betting on them particularly. You, you're looking at like fifteen to one, sixteen to one, seventeen to one. I don't know if they're going to win it all, guys. Okay, I, I don't know, but there's some value there. There's some value there. So Illinois is my number two team. My number three team, well, I'm going to go with Villanova here. I seemingly go with Villanova every year, and I know that Creighton is dangerous. I wanted everybody to be very well aware of I know how dangerous Creighton is. Seton Hall is also there, sure, okay. Uh, Villanova loses their leading scorer, okay, that that's a problem, Um but they do return guys that are going to be NBA players. Robinson Earl, Gazette, they're going to be everyday guys. These guys are going to be good, and they're well-coached. They are so well-coached. You look at Villanova, and you go, they have a path. If Creighton is as good as I think Creighton is going to be, it's a thorn in the side of Villanova in one way, but it also is a resume booster. It boosts their schedule. It helps them out. Villanova getting a one. you got to remember, I want I want to bet teams that are going to be one seeds. I want to bet teams that are going to have an easy path to the Elite Eight, an easy path to the Final Four. I don't care that they're, oh, well, you know what, they're a syndrome. I don't care about good stories. I want good odds, and I want good teams. I believe Illinois might have trouble getting a number one seed. But I like their odds. Villanova, meanwhile, I think they have a pretty clear path to a number one seed. So I have Gonzaga as a number one seed, and I'm putting them in the final four. I have Villanova as a number one seed. I'm putting them in my final four. I have Illinois as probably a two seed. I'm putting them in my final four. My last team is Virginia. Now, I know that I have uh, gone down with the ship at times with Virginia, but I've also cashed in huge with Virginia. I think that Bennett is the best coach in the country. I think that all the time. To go through an ACC schedule year in and year out against Duke, against North Carolina, against an upcoming Florida State team, you are battle-tested. There is no doubt that this team can play defense. They were the number one defense in the country last year. There is no doubt that they will be a top defensive team this year. Uh, according to Ken Palm, who does the ratings, they're always going to be about the slowest team in the country. They slow it down, they make your shots count more, and they have to just make sure that their shots are there. Now they bring in Sam Hauser. Hauser is a scorer. He transferred over for Marquette. He is the guy that they need. He is the other, if he is 80%, of what they're expecting he will bring the offense you need that offensive jolt so i have virginia I told you I'm going to break down the ACC next week. I have Virginia in the final four as well. So that's my final four teams. I, look, Wisconsin, you have to think about uh, probably in the mix. I think they fall a little bit down. Look, they, they again, they have a number two defense in the league. I like defenses. Wisconsin was there. I wanted to take somebody that wasn't really going to be uh, you know, this big favorite. I thought it was going to be Illinois. It seems like people are on Illinois. Wisconsin's got a shot. I think that they get into a little bit of, of problem where uh, they're going to have a good defense. What Virginia's gotten into in years, uh, they're going to have a really good defense, just not enough scoring. Kentucky, if this was a regular season, I would believe that Calipari would be okay. I think the stoppage will hurt these young guys. Houston, people like Houston, I don't even know if they win their league. I'm not down on Houston, but that's how I feel. Oregon again. A lot of people like in Oregon. I or kind of like Arizona State. So that's my final four predictions. What do I think you should put your money on? I'm already on Gonzaga. Okay. Virginia's not carrying good odds. And right now, Villanova isn't carrying good odds. The other team that's carrying good odds is Illinois. I don't know if you want to join my my team for that, Illinois. Uh, you got to be smart this year. And I think Gonzaga is the smartest team. If you could still get good odds. Seven to one, I don't love. You can get eight or nine. or eight, If you're lucky to get my 10 to one odds, that's fantastic. Because I do think that they have a very clear path to a one seed, a very clear path to an elite eight. I could start hedging if I need to. I think they make the final four. So who is my championship as far as I like Illinois going? I I can only take this bus this long. <laughs> okay. I like Illinois. I think they're going to surprise some people. I think they win their conference. I think they make the final four, but I can only go so far with a long shot. I know it's not long, quote-unquote, shot, but I can only go so far with Illinois. They're not going to be the national champion, but they're going to get pretty far. So that leaves me with Gonzaga, Virginia, and Villanova. And it seems for the last better part of what I'd say the last five or six years, I've had Gonzaga, Villanova, and Virginia in my Final Four, and one way or the other, I've been picking the champions. I cashed a ticket with Villanova. I've cashed a ticket with Virginia. Gonzaga lost a little bit. Okay, Villanova lost a little. Virginia brought in someone to that defense. I usually like to go on the ACC, and I like that the ACC uh, and is going to be so competitive this year. I like this kid, Howser. I do. I'm not sure his game translates immediately over. Can it translate by the time the championship NCAAs come? I think it probably can. I'm going to take Virginia over Villanova because of that. I'm going to take Virginia over Villanova to get to the championship game against Gonzaga. The reason why I'm leaving Villanova out here is not that I'm leaving them out. But Villanova lost where Virginia added. And that's the difference to me here. Virginia added a scorer, the exact thing that they needed. Villanova will be very well coached. Villanova has guys coming back. But Villanova did lose important pieces. If you're losing important pieces to me, you got to take even a half step back. And that half step back keeps me away from a championship. So I have them in my Final Four, but not a championship. That leaves me with Virginia against Gonzaga. I've been high on Gonzaga this entire time, right? I have my money on Gonzaga. I'm betting on Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga. I think I can hedge with Gonzaga. But when all is said and done, I'm going to take the best defense in the country that added the exact piece that they needed with what, my opinion, is the best coach in the country, and I'm going to take the Virginia Cavs again. Again, guys, it's going to be a weird year. And in a weird year, I don't know if Virginia is going to win the ACC. We'll go over that. I don't know if they're going to get that many games in. I know that Gonzaga is pretty set up to be in this spot. But when you go this team against this team and you look at matchup against matchup and what they need and how they play and the style against the style, I see this being a Virginia year, a Virginia year where the coaching is elite, a Virginia year where they add the exact piece that they need and he steps up. Could this all go wrong if, if something happens to Hauser or he doesn't fit in? Yeah, it can. This could go drastically wrong, drastically fast. But that's what I'm looking at. So I'm putting my money on Gonzaga because I think they're the best team to hedge with. But I do think Virginia wins a championship. It's anyone's game this season. It really is. I'm going to give you that qualifier right here. It's anyone game anyone's game this season. But, hey, we do have college basketball. We might have bumps along the road, but we do have college basketball, and that is just fantastic. All right, guys, I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at SportsGarten. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarten.com.